This world is about faking it. The Dhamma is about getting real, getting true. Now the Dhamma is all about truth, real truth, true reality, natadi, such, tatata, thusness, meaning the opposite of false and fake. And so if we follow the path of Dhamma, this is basically how we can describe you know, the whole practice of following the path of Dhamma by debunking what is fake and by getting real and finding what is true, what is really true, what is truly, really true. Tata, Tadi. Recently I read about a kind of studio which they have in Los Angeles for Instagram influencers. This is a mock-up of a private Learjet internally. So it's just in a studio and they have some uh, mock-up and it looks like you're sitting in a private Learjet and you can hire the thing for 50 bucks an hour and then you go in and you do your photos, your selfies, your little video, and then you can put it out and pretend that you're living the jet set life. And I was quite impressed by that. And it's just so pathetic. It's just so pathetic. You know, that people try to live their life completely inauthentic. What they're presenting there to others you know, is just... Uh, a shavad, a mirage, just eye wash. But this is not what they're really investing in. This is what they kind of take to be their own life. They may lose the full awareness of what is real and what is not part of their own fakery. So I think we're living in times of peak fake, not peak oil, but peak fake. We have... Uh, fake news, we have fake elections, or maybe it's fake election challenges, or maybe it is uh, uh, fake videos, and now they have these deep fake videos, where you see someone that's actually not really that person, but it's just not artificially. And they have an effect checking, but maybe the fact-checking is also fake, because how do you know? How would necessarily Facebook or Twitter or any one of these guys know? How would they know what is really true? So maybe we have to be aware, and then maybe the fact-check is also fake. So we have to debunk all that fakeness, and we have to go what is real and true. And we have to do that uh, gradually. And the best fact-checker is actually the Buddha. Doesn't really matter whether we make, you know, if someone brings up this view, no? doesn't really matter what we do, whether we make good or bad karma. After death, we are all gone and it's all finished. What's the difference? So, this is a view now. And let's fact check with the Buddha.
what the Buddha gives that in a blue true and real fact check no, no, this is a false view this is fake the reality is it matters a lot how we act when we help others when we do good things this is what is called good karma they will come back as happiness and joy when we hurt and harm others this is bad karma they will come back as the pain and suffering this is a fact established by the Buddha or established and experienced and known in his own realization by the Buddha it's also a fake that there is nothing when we die only the body dies what is called the mind or consciousness that will connect to a new body to a new life at least as long as there is craving and delusion going sustaining the process of rebirth and then we continue in the next life based on our karma so even if we haven't realized that we cannot fact check it on our own but we can uh, have confidence and trust in the Buddha the faith in those who have realized that the great Abhans and teachers And then we can reject the fake position out of trust. But fortunately, there's not a complete position only based on faith, because ultimately we can actually then realize it ourselves and then check in our own heart from our own knowledge. It just may take some time, that major meditative effort but ultimately everything that the Buddha has taught us at least the fundamental things the crucial ones they can all be checked in our own experience once we realize it ourselves so the whole path of Dhamma practice can be sometimes described with one single word like purification if we make our heart our mind totally pure then we have realized the goal of Dhamma it can also be described as liberation as freedom and we practice for freeing our heart our mind from all obstructions from all fetters now then we also practice the whole Dhamma and once the heart is totally freed and liberated, released uh, then we have attained the goal of the Dhamma but it can also be described as getting real and debunking what is fake <laughs> and once we have seen through everything that is fake and we have realized what is truly, really true in our heart, ourselves, then we have realized the goal of the Dhamma. And of course, now there's external fact-checking, and externally, ultimately, is not the most important one. And some of the facts now, will be very difficult for us to work out. What is happening in other countries, and whether elections in this country or in that country uh, may be fake or not, or whether certain news from here or there may be fake or not, and maybe beyond our abilities to ever get 100% percent 
confirmation of what is the truth there. But most important is the internal faking. And there's a lot of internal fakery going on. The one mock-up, one fake pop-up internally is this physical body. We really believe in this thing. We take it to be real and true. We take it to be lasting. We take it to be me and mine, my physical form, my physical body. This is after all what you see on a selfie. It's called a selfie. And what do you see on that selfie? Your physical form. It already shows how strong our personality views, Sankarya Ditti, our identification of a self, me and mine, is simply with the external shape, external form of this body. What the Buddha pointed out, that this body is just like a lump of foam, like froth. When you see on a Brisbane River sometimes in the flooding, and maybe in a lump of foam just floating along on the river. Is that substantial? Is that real? It's not exactly like it's nothing, but it's not really substantial. And if we investigate this body, and if we notice the body is also not substantial, and it comes and goes, it's built up from the genetic material, from the parents, from the food and drink we eat, from the air we breathe, and then the body is built up. You can see that now with the kids growing, a little baby feeding, becomes bigger, and later on becomes smaller again, and one shrinks a little bit, and one is really old. The body becomes frailer. In the end, once we die, and it will decay, and the four elements will go back to where they came from. And this is why the Buddha says that it's just like a, a lump of froth or foam. In ancient Greek mythology, this is how Venus was born. Mythology is that it was the surf of the ocean the foam and the surf, and then the Venus came out of that. Quite uh, interesting that there's a similar connection there with foam and the body. So don't be tricked by the body. Don't allow the body to fake you or to cheat you or to convince you with the fake news that this body is substantial or permanent, that it isn't. And once we see that the body is no more than a, a lump of foam, which at any moment can fall apart. If you have a lump of solid iron or steel, it will not so easily immediately fall apart. But all that it takes you know, for a lump of foam is one strong wind. It's just completely scattered. It's similar with the body. If you're so used to it and you know, being in this body, sometimes you forget 
all it takes with one heart attack. Soup. I once read a report of a person who survived a heart attack and he later came back and he said what he remembered it was like someone switching off the light but not with a normal switch but with a dimmer just slowly turning down and it was black this is how quick it can go this is how insubstantial that body is this is how fake the body is It's similar with feeling pleasant, unpleasant. Oh, it feels so good. It's so painful, it's unbearable. Do you know the simile the Buddha gave for feeling? It's just like bubbles. If you have a puddle in the rain, one of these tropical downpours, storms we get here in Brisbane, and then you see in the puddle the raindrops popping in and each raindrop the one bubble many bubbles now you can also look in a lake in the ocean when it really rains each time the raindrop strikes the surface of the water the bubble forms do these bubbles last very long are they substantial can you hold on to that can you keep them forever and it's the same with our feelings each time a sense impression occurs in any of the six senses, if we see something, what the Buddha would call an eye consciousness arises, and we say, and I see something, and then there's always feeling. What we see in the experience as pleasant or as unpleasant, with the raindrop and there's the sense contact, and the feeling pops up and then it goes, and you see something else. And you see in a beautiful flower, it feels nice. And you look at a rotten carcass of a cane toad, it feels unpleasant. And you hear some beautiful chanting, it feels so nice. When you hear someone switching on the chainsaw or the helicopter going across and doing their exercises over Lake Manchester, it feels unpleasant. When you smell some nice smokeless Japanese incense cloud, pure sandalwood, oh, feels so nice. And when there's some kangaroo carcass somewhere in the forest close by and the smell of the decay is wafting past, unpleasant. This is a nature of human beings. They are constantly exposed to sense contact. And often we have this naive belief that these feelings are important, that they are me, are mine, that they last, but they can't. They're just like bubbles and the rain is hitting the water. Then perception the faculty of perception. Good, bad. This is perception. This guy is good. This one is bad. Right, wrong. This is perception. I'm right, but you seem to be wrong. (laughs) It can be very strong identification. It can be very substantial. 
a beautiful, ugly, fantastic, awful. It's all perception. And we are so stuck on it. We take it as substantial and we believe in this fakery of perception. But perception is just fakery and it turns around. And you think this person is so fantastic. And then they give you some big disappointment and then your perception changes. And now suddenly this person is awful. And the one that was awful before, now you suddenly think they are great. That is another fakery of perception. Trying to go around, flipping over, not staying. And the Buddha compared it to a mirage. And like in the desert, sometimes people can see a mirage. It looks like an oasis. When you walk there, there's nothing. It's just a reflection in the air. It's insubstantial. So don't buy into the fakery of perception. And next time when you get into an argument, this is right, that is wrong. Before you argue too much, before you get too much worked up, and the contemplate perception is not me, it's impermanent. It's just a mirage. Why, what's the point in getting into a big argument about these things? What's the point in holding on and insisting on one's perception? Now the next one is intention, our will, our choice. I want that. I don't want that. I want to get rid of that. I choose this. I don't choose that. The will is a very substantial part of our delusion of self. That's how we define ourselves. What I want or what I don't want what I intend. The Buddha compared it with a banana tree. If you have some of these banana trees, they can be quite impressive. But once you cut them, would you find any decent hardwood? Have you ever investigated a banana tree? Yes. It's basically just skin, just layers and layers of, of bark or, or, or skin. And the more you peel off, you continue like that, and you're left with nothing in the end. There's only, uh, only skin, basically. You peel it off. It's not, nothing substantial. And our uh, intention, our will, which appears so substantial, which is such a big thing of our identification of me or mine, it's just the same. It's actually fake. You really cut into that, there's nothing really. It's based on conditions, and as the conditions change, our intention will change. What I like and want is conditioned. It's not a completely independent decision of a decision of a work of a, a true everlasting self. As dependent now I have been conditioned in my childhood by my teachers, by my friends. And if all your mates like a certain music, 
I remember being a teenager and certain music was considered cool and the guys I would hang out with they would all like this music some other music was considered very uncool ABBA was considered really uncool and some uh, whatever Joy Division or something was considered really cool and then because everyone likes that you get so much condition that this is your intention now this is what you listen to later I liked I found out that I actually liked ABBA better <laughs> once I couldn't free myself from that conditioning but by then it became fashionable already again to listen to ABBA it was okay again you know, this is uh, how you can investigate and you, know, you see that so much of your intention and what you like and it's actually not really you it's just a conditioning process by the group you hang out with one reason that we have Dhammagiri because that is also a conditioning process on the positive side and if you hang out with people who really want to keep precepts and have a strong intention to keep precepts and to think it's a really good thing to observe precepts before you know it, that's also your intention part of that conditioning process so the conditioning process to practice Dhamma and to get us to Nibbana is also not a self it's also conditioned so we can deliberately use that and finally consciousness what we call in a, I see, I hear the Buddha would simply call in a, a consciousness eye consciousness, ear consciousness, sound consciousness the Buddha compared it to a, a show of a magician have you ever seen a magician when they do all these tricks with this woman and they saw, saw her in two parts or they have a hat and they pull out a rabbit but of course no, the, it's all, it's all fake it's not really real it's just a slay of hand it's just tricks the woman is not really sewn into two parts because in reality she's actually not in that box in the Buddha's time we didn't have television and video games computer games and movies and so on uh, else I'm pretty sure he would have given that as an example a consciousness is just like a, a video or a movie can appear in a so true, so real but it's actually not really real, it's actually fake and if you sit in the movie then you can get completely lost in it. it it becomes your reality if it's a really good movie you forget that you're watching a movie, isn't it? and you're really in there and you may get so excited no, I, I read no, in this one um, I think it was in, uh, a drive-in with a car where you drive in and you watch with your car in the movie in Texas and occasionally it would happen that some of the people would start shooting at, at the villain at the villain, at the, the evil guy <laughs> because they, they, get, they get so uh, immersed in it no, that they really Texas is open carry, you know, so they just pull out their gun and shoot, shoot at the screen as if there's a real person to shoot. And this, this poor movie theater owner had to, I think, replace it and then he put it all in concrete. 
can shoot as much as they like no, because there's no one really there anyhow. But it's very similar with uh, consciousness. This is also not real. This is also only a movie. It's also only projected by the whole process of dependent origination. And as a movie, we have become so absorbed in that we really think it's me and mine, it's my life. We really think now all these images, all these sounds, now they are really out there. They are true, they're substantial. But in reality, a movie is ultimately fake. And what do you do if you're in the movie? Now all you have to do is not realizing, hang on, this is only a movie. And once you realize, no, this is not reality, it's just a movie, you can just walk out. And then the whole movie is gone, it doesn't exist anymore. And it's the same, once you can see that consciousness, everything you see here and so on, is just like a movie, it's not real, it's not true, it's fake. And you can walk out and experience dispassion towards consciousness. You can experience freedom, liberation from consciousness. And then you experience what is truly real, what is tardy, what is tata, what is such. Nibbana. Amosadamang Nibbanam. Nibbana is the only thing that is really true. If you carefully investigate and you reject anything that is fake and not authentic, ultimately you will end up with Nibbana because it's the only thing that is not fake and the only thing that is truly authentic. So we don't have to do anything else. Whatever we find in our body and mind, we investigate and once we notice that it has something fake about it, then we let it go. So we have to make that an ingrained character trait to reject fakeness and to have that brutal honesty and to always go for what is really true. And whenever we see fakery even in daily life, we have to train ourselves to not buy into that. It can feel very sweet. Now that there's some danger there. No? It takes courage, it takes determination to reject what is fake, because what is fake can feel so sweet. If it's in a nice romance movie, it can be so nice to believe in that movie. And if you go with a friend into the movie and, and you notice they're fully, fully absorbed in this beautiful romance now, and then you just knock them and remind them, this is only a movie, will they like that? I don't think so, ne? because they want to enjoy that illusion, they want to be treated, they want to be faked because it feels nice. So we have to be very careful in our daily life even, whether we may be enjoying fakery, whether we do it ourselves. Maybe we like to deceive ourselves because it feels nice. It may feel nice, but ultimately we never get to Nibbana like that. It may feel nice, but ultimately you know, that feeling will not last. So we need the courage you know, to 
uh, let go of the fake thing even if it feels nice where we need the inclination towards honesty, towards straightness, towards genuineness, towards authenticity. Yeah, someone is just mentioning that everything is fake. Actually, not everything. Almost everything. Basically, everything that is conditioned is fake. Because everything that is conditioned, that arises due to conditions, is also impermanent. And that is its fakeness, that it's impermanent, that it doesn't last. It masquerades as forever. But the forever aspect, that is a fake one. It masquerades as being substantial, but it's put together and resting on conditions. That is what it's fake. It is not me, not mine. Usually we grasp onto conditioned phenomena and appropriate them as me and mine and safe. But the me and mine and safe is fake about it. So not absolutely everything is fake, but everything conditioned is fake. Everything that is impermanent is fake. Everything that we regard as I, me, and mine and safe is fake. Everything that we think can give us eternal happiness. That is another huge bluff or fakeness. This promise of now you be happy, really happy. And really happy means kind of forever happy. Once you have the jackpot, 40 millions, you'll be happy forever. Once you manage to get that person as your partner, as your spouse, you'll be happy forever. Ask the divorce lawyers whether that works. Ask the people who won the jackpot whether it works. It's not forever. It doesn't last forever. But that is a great fakery of conditioned phenomena, the appearance that giving you lasting happiness. So, but there's one thing that is not fake, that is the unconditioned. And that is what you realize. So, um, what you realize, what is called Nibbana, the unconditioned, the deathless element, freedom, peace, the highest happiness, however you want to call it, no, that is not fake. That is tardy. That is such. That is tata. No, real. Really too real. And if there was nothing that is true and real, no, you couldn't escape from, from fakeness. Only because there is something that actually is really real. Is it possible to get out of the fakery? Exactly. Now what, what we see through the senses is ultimately fake because it's conditioned. The senses are not part of the conditioned world. So whatever the senses see will also be conditioned. This is why you cannot get to Nibbana by you know, seeing it or hearing it or even thinking it. You can only get there by stopping seeing, hearing, sensing, and thinking. And then uh, Nibbana can be realized. And it's immediately then realized also as non-fake. Part of the realization is the understanding that it's not fake but true. If it's painful in the body, 
Don't believe it. Pain is also fake. It's also not real, ultimately. And if you experience pain, that is a consolation already. Once we notice the pain is ultimately fake. Impermanent as well, not me, not mine. And may you all and all beings see through and debunk what is fake and realize what is not fake, what is tardy, tata, really, truly real, Nibbana.